0: what's up everybody welcome back to story time with uncle reddit my name's john and this is r malicious compliance so as you might be able to tell already we didn't get any stories done during our camping trip this weekend uncle reddit had a lot of adult beverages signal was good though so maybe next time we can uh, get them both together and kind of nail an episode anyway let's read some now You want me to coerce an inspector after someone else did the work? This happened years ago. I had just started working as an independent electrician, and one day I received a call from a new customer. He was one of those people that flips homes in lower income neighborhoods. I'll call him Todd, but honestly I've forgotten what his real name is. Todd asked me to meet him at a vacant house he recently bought to give him an estimate for a full rewiring job. He was 30 minutes late, so I was already unimpressed with him. Upon entering the house, which was right after a rainstorm had passed through, we found an inch of water covering the hardwood floors. There was water pouring out of small holes in the columns on the front porch. Everything was soaked. Instead of showing me around, Todd called his business partner and brother and spent the next 20 minutes cussing him for not fixing the roof. I'm standing around and listening to his man-baby rage on full display. The whole time I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to work for this guy. His fuse was way too short and his anger was out of hand. I gave him a price, which admittedly was the... I don't want to do this job, Price, and didn't hear back from him. Until months later. Todd called me later that year. He explained that he had found an electrician from three states away and had paid the electrician with ceramic tiles instead of cash. The problem now? Well, he needed an inspection from the city electrical inspector. I agreed to meet the inspector for him, which I would bill him for. I went back to the house about 20 minutes before the inspector showed up and saw numerous issues. When the inspector arrived, we walked through together. Every issue I saw, the inspector also saw. He pointed them out, and every time I agreed with him that the work was not up to code. This inspector kept looking at me with a puzzled expression. After we did a complete walkthrough, I finally explained to the inspector that I didn't do any of the work and was hired to get him to pass the inspection. He asked me if I thought he should, and I told him absolutely not. I got paid for my time. I got paid to repair all the violations, and I formed a strong relationship with that inspector who was always lenient with me on all my future jobs. Don't ever, ever try to BS building inspectors, mechanical inspectors like HVAC, electrician, whatever. Um, it doesn't work. It, does, it never goes well. And then I saw in the comments below this story how people were being a little weird when the guy said the inspector was always lenient after that. Well... There's a difference between le- being lenient and just explicitly breaking rules. Like, if he knows you're going to do really good work, but maybe you screwed something up, okay, you're still going to have to fix it, but he might give you even more time to go back and fix it without holding up your uh inspection stickers and things like that. So, yeah, no big deal. If you can form a good relationship, stay honest, do good work, don't try to BS them, then they will be a little nicer to you. Otherwise, it can be a real hard case and uh, make life extremely difficult for you, even if everything's done right. I created a hostile work environment. I used to be a server at a major restaurant chain that you see in every mall in the U.S., and my particular location just happened to be in one of the wealthier parts of the country. Because of that, a large percent of the clientele wanted their dishes a certain way. There were some oddball regulars, like the one lady who wanted a Caesar salad with no dressing but three whole lemons to squeeze on the lettuce. But 99% of the time, they'd ask for rigatoni instead of penne in a dish, or red onion instead of yellow on a burger, or something of that nature. The thing about this chain, though, is that technically you're supposed to charge them for substitutions like that. So, for instance, if a guest wanted a different kind of dressing on a salad, it might be a 10 cent charge. Or if they wanted Swiss instead of cheddar on their burger, it would be like a 15 cent charge. As a server, you were supposed to know all the upcharges, but because there were like 26 pages to the menu, it was daunting enough to just memorize what we even had. But obviously no one ever charged for these things because what's an extra 15 cents on a $200 tab? Especially when you're in the weeds and you're pretty sure the host stand wants you to have a mental breakdown. Not only that, but because rich people tend to be the stingiest MFers you'll ever meet, We would never charge them because they would instantly complain if you did. And the restaurant's policy was essentially, the customer's always right, no matter how wrong they were. We even had regular grifters that would order the wrong thing and then complain and get an entire free meal every freaking time. So one normal day, I'm serving a table and someone asks for goat cheese on their salad instead of feta, which is supposed to be one of those 10 cent changes. I obviously don't add the upcharge, just like I hadn't for any of the other countless times in over three years. And like 15 minutes later, the new manager, I'll just call him Brad, comes along and pretty much chews me out over it. Keep in mind, this is Brad's second day on the job and he came from the other side of the country to replace our beloved former manager who left to manage her own restaurant. Dude hadn't even introduced himself to me and he comes out of nowhere to yell at me for not doing the upcharge. I explained to him why I didn't and how it was pretty much a directive from the GM not to do upcharges because of the 99% chance that a complaint and free meal would follow. But Brad just blah blah blahs some more and tells me I need to add the upcharges or I'd get written up. So when the next table, a party of seven that had a 500-ish dollar bill, changes literally every dish I added the upcharges, which totaled like a dollar at most. When I dropped the check, they freaked out over all the upcharges, even though I informed them of the charges when they ordered. The itemized receipt made it look so much more severe, and they demanded to speak to the manager. Instead of getting any of the other managers I had worked with for years, I grabbed Brad and made him deal with them. He ended up having to comp all $500 because he insisted I charge an extra dollar for all the substitutions. But did he learn his lesson? Nope. So I did it over and over again to the detriment of my bank account. Most people still tipped me though, so that was nice. And I got to watch tables routinely chew him out over the charges. This continued for a month or so until he finally relented And not too long after, I was suspiciously fired for creating a hostile work environment while on vacation. Ah, failed restaurant managers. Gotta love him, man. He will get shoved around from restaurant to restaurant until finally he either gets demoted or he decides to drink himself into oblivion and leave his wife and kids and start on his second childhood. Don't want to speak to my female co-worker and would rather talk to a man? How about we don't? This was a few years ago when I was around 18. I worked at a large chain of automotive parts stores. The store had a roughly equal number of male and female staff, and being automotive, the women seemed to get the decent amount of men, and other women, who would ask for one of the boys to help them. I was out back loading stock onto a trolley to run onto the floor when one of my female coworkers, mind you she's worked here for around 7 years at this point, compared to my 3 months of employment, comes and finds me and asks me to help a customer. I asked why she needs help because she usually knows more than I do considering how long she's been working here. She explained she was standing at the service desk and a guy came up and asked her to get one of the boys. She tried explaining to him that she is more than competent to help him but he insisted that a man needs to help him. So after hearing this I decide, F it, I may as well have some fun. I tell her to follow me back to the desk where he was and to just let me sort it out. I get to the customer and ask what he needed. He explained what he was after so I kind of just stare with a puzzled look for a moment. Look at the customer and say, I'm sorry, I actually don't know how to help with that one. And turn to my coworker and say, actually, she's an expert in that field. She knows more about it than I do. I'm sure she can help you. He looks annoyed and asks for another one of the boys. And on cue, one of my other male coworkers who had overheard the entire conversation walks over. The customer looks at him and asks for the same thing again, to which he replies, oh, actually, she's an expert on that. She's probably the best person to ask that question to before wandering off again. The customer begrudgingly got her help on the matter and walked out without talking to anyone else in the store. That's fantastic, man. Never assume because of someone's gender that they can or can't do a job. It has nothing to do with whether they're male, female, whatever. I mean, for all we know, she grew up with a dad who didn't have any sons and taught her stuff, or she just got into it early on in life. Who knows? But never assume that somebody doesn't know because they're female. If you ask them questions and they don't know, now you got something to talk about. But that can happen with the guys too. Because let me tell you, at some of the auto parts stores around here, I run into some real morons. And I'm a carpenter. Costing my boss hundreds of dollars because he won't listen to my ideas. So I work at a gas station as a cashier, usually early mornings on weekends. Our station has a lot of food in store that's packaged like chocolate bars, drinks, etc. But since the prices are so high most of our stock expires before we can sell it and we have to throw it away. Besides the packaged foods and drinks we also serve pre-made sandwiches and other pastry which can only be made and sold in one day and needs to be thrown away at the end of the day. Unsurprisingly prices for those items are even higher and so they're rarely sold and we throw away kilograms of food every single evening. I asked my boss if we could just eat it after it needs to be thrown away because it's still good food but Health regulations just say we can't sell them after a couple hours of laying in the fridge. My boss said no because he doesn't trust us to not make food in the evening just for us to eat. I countered with the idea of just putting these items on sale before we throw them out so we don't have to pay half of our hourly wage or more on a sandwich and customers could save it for a less price. My boss declined again saying we can't do that either for some reason. I asked if we could donate everything in the evening to the homeless people in the area. My boss said no. Cue my malicious compliance. I've made it my duty to now remove everything from the store as soon as it expires and even made a list for my colleagues to look up when things do expire. No, we didn't do that before. It just lay there on the shelves until someone found it. With that, every shelf now has empty holes without stock and my boss's office is full with expired stuff because she needs to check every item to make sure none of us is eating it. I've even taken my time to add up the amount of food we threw out in just a week. 10 kilograms of fresh sandwiches, 6 kilograms of small packaged snacks, and over 20 bottles of soft drinks, and calculated that over $400 worth of food went to the trash in half a week because we didn't discount them. I've asked a lot of customers about their opinion to implement such a discount to reduce the waste of food and I just got positive responses. My boss, however, was not happy that I talked about problems with customers and got pretty mad at me. I showed her the numbers and uh, calculated and what we could potentially earn with a discount of 20% based on the customer's opinions I got when talking to them. The majority of them would buy more to save food, and with a the discount they'd much rather buy something. My boss was too stunned to speak when I told her that she's losing thousands of dollars a month to the trash can, but since it wasn't his idea, he'd rather lose the money than admit I'm right. Okay, I don't know where this person's from, but considering kilograms, it could either be Canada, Europe, wherever. But I will say here in the United States, for health and safety reasons, there are certain things where foods have to be tossed out after expiration, whatever that is, whether it's a time of day, whether it's, you know, how many days it's been on the shelf, weeks, whatever. Um, and it cannot be donated. Most of that is corporate policy. There is some health department stuff where you can't donate things that are expired. Um, not many, though. But I can also understand the corporate policy policy behind some of this. One, because employees take advantage of it and will run you dry. Two, because if something's technically expired and somebody gets sick, they will sue you into oblivion and you can't even have them sign a waiver because it doesn't work in court. You will still lose your shirt. I get being upset because, you know, food is going to waste. There are people that could use the food. I understand all that. I try to help out where I can, but It's up to that corporation. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't have anything to do with that manager either, honestly, in most cases. It's a hard decision to make. It sucks, but that's the way it has to go a lot of times, because otherwise you get into a whole other mess, and then it's all your fault, even though you're trying to do good. So, yep, I can see it from both sides. Clock watching for professionals. My favorite example of malicious compliance happened when I worked some 20 years ago for a local government agency here in the US, which shall remain nameless. We were a small, well-run office with a supervisor who had a very laissez-faire style of leadership. And this worked. Do your job. If you have an idea, develop a program and we'll try it. If it doesn't work, no harm done. Take what we can learn from it and use that on another program. Many programs developed spontaneously and there was a very collegial relationship with a department between everyone from the department head down to the administrative staff and with other departments across the organization as well. That department head retired and was replaced by a retired Army colonel who was somewhat dictatorial in his style. Suddenly, multiple degreed professionals who were used to a significant amount of autonomy and who consistently worked well beyond the hours of which they were paid were being told they could not extend their lunch hour by 15 minutes once a week to participate in the local Rotary Club meetings despite that we were expected to be involved in local civic groups as part of our job, and that they had to take a 15-minute break at the assigned time each day. As might be imagined, these administrative changes did not go over well. In response to the new top-down mandates, the informal leaders instituted policies of their own without ever saying a word. Suddenly, if their assigned break time occurred and they were on the telephone, they explained, I'm sorry, but it's my assigned break time and I have to go now. I'll be back in 15 minutes. Meetings that were ongoing at 4.59 p.m. were abruptly adjourned with the note that those from the office were mandated to complete their activities by 5 p.m. daily, and it would be necessary to schedule another meeting to complete whatever business was on the table. Mind you, these were people who regularly worked with elected officials at the national, state, and local levels as well as the public. When lunchtime or 5 o'clock came, they immediately stopped work, often simply leaving the file drawer open with the files laying on top as they walked away. It didn't take long for support staff to follow suit. This was not the kind of action to which those that had worked with them in the past were accustomed, nor was it what one would expect from professionals. It was, however, exactly what was mandated by the new program. Nothing was ever coordinated between them or the other staff. It wasn't long before the new department head was getting a call from their supervisor, who also happened to be a retired colonel, suggesting that they get a handle on the situation and fix it immediately. Of course, there was no disciplinary action because there were no rules violations, indeed. There was a hyper-compliance with the rules established. Things never completely relaxed under the new department head, and I'm sure he wondered why there were no more innovative projects proposed. He had effectively put out the spark that was at the heart of the group, though, and within a year or so, there was about a 60% turnover. It's hard for some people to come back from the military and run things the way they were used to. Now, most of the people sergeant and under, they're a little more relaxed. But you have Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel. I even dealt with a retired general once who had this thing about, you know, staying with the program. If the program had a timeline, that was the timeline. No matter what, there was no leeway. And while I can understand having guidelines and rules and things like that, and procedures and plans and whatever, that's not always a good way to make things work efficiently. And if people are willing to work a little extra, you know, a little give and take, you give them a little something, they give you a little something, and things start working smoothly and... They're flexible, so if something needs to run a little bit late, they can finish up. That way you're not having to redo another meeting tomorrow and waste even more time. That's a good way to kill morale and any hope of cooperation and uh, going that extra mile, you know? You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.